When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. This is our game blitz. I guess that's what we'll call it for now with my regular co-host, Brian Manning. Hey, Brian, how you doing? I'm doing good, John. A hokey win, the first one of the Brent Pry era, was a fun throwback to the good old days. Average pedestrian offense and Terror Dome defense. And the Terror Dome in full effect. I mean, it might have been drizzling and rainy and kind of weird in the weather. Believe me, it was. But the stadium was just absolutely electric. And it stayed full for almost until the middle of the fourth quarter when people started to leave because it's obvious that, that Tech was going to win and people just wanted to get out of the rain. It was doing the drizzle. You know how it does in Lane Stadium where you get the high altitude drizzly rain, but it doesn't really reach the field down in the bowl of the field, but it kind of rains into the stands and then it kind of blows up and everything so it doesn't really get into the bowl. Well, that's kind of what we were having for most of the game. And eventually it just got heavier and heavier and heavier and people started to get uncomfortable. But man, they stuck around for a long time. It was loud. The whole game was loud. That was the atmosphere. I've got pictures. We've got Brent Pry standing in the end of the tunnel. And he was nonplussed. He really was. The facial expression I caught with him was like, this was like a dream come true for him. And he was pinching himself I think he was trying not to get excited and he jumped two seconds early from the queue that says run out, you know, because he got so excited about it. So it was, it was pretty cool. What was the perspective from the television? I mean, I, you've you run into some issues with our friend, the COVID and, and had to stay at home for a little while. So, you know, you kind of missed going to the press box. I know you weren't kind of frustrated with that, but what was your impression? What was the TV impression like? When Armani Chapman picked off that, inter- we got that interception on the first drive. I was pretty excited. And then when I saw us move down the field and, and score pretty quickly, I, it was difficult because we had to go for it on fourth down twice just to get there. And I like prize aggression, but we scored first and touchdown. I still thought Jerkovic and Zay Flowers and them were going to come out and bounce back probably on the se- second, third possession. And really make it kind of a track meet where our offense was forced to do more and it just never happened and that's a credit to Brent Pride, Chris Marvin, the defense because they did a what a job they did on Zay Flowers and the front four frustrated Jerkovic all night. He was terrible last night. He's a good quarterback and he and he was terrible last night. And I think they, he was they, he was on his back last night. I mean okay he's gonna be dreaming the number forty five in his nightmares for the next two, three, four months. 
I, I was shocked when, you know, you look at the final box score and you see that Garbett was only credited with one sack because he brought him down several times. I know some of them may have been considered where he tried to run upfield or something. They called it a run or or another guy got the tackle, but Garbett made the play. Garbett made 10 plays on that quarterback last night just by making him step up in the pocket, throw the ball sooner. I mean, Garbett was just – what a game he had, and he, he was a true MVP. Last week it was Dax and Nasir Peoples. This week it was definitely Garbett's day. I got some pictures to prove it. Garbett, they undercounted what Garbett did. I don't care if Garbett didn't get credit for sacks. If you cause the quarterback to throw the ball – into orbit or throw the ball and it gumps out of bounds or whatever and you blow up the play and also then dump the quarterback on the ground in the turf in the wet nasty turf did you notice how by the end of the game i don't think there was one spot on jacobic's uniform that wasn't filthy dirty and grass stained because they were wearing the whites he got the crap kicked out of him sorry just did i think that last hit where they finally took him out of the game, I bet you he was mildly concussed. I mean, he's, his head hit the turf pretty hard. Yeah, we we definitely beat him around last night. And our defensive tackles, uh, Pollard and Kendricks, definitely got a lot of pressure too. I mean, we really abused that offensive line. You know, Boston College is known for a good offensive line, but you know, and talking to one of the guys who covered them last week, they were concerned about the offensive line. There's a lot of youth there. And then before the game, it came it came down. They lost one of their top offensive linemen, so it made a difficult day even worse. But overall, you know, they they were down a couple of guys. You still beat the snot out of them. I mean, we you beat a what we thought was going to be a good team by 17 points. They were never in the game. This is without a huge offensive game. That was old school hockey football. We need to do better. But hey, hopefully go out and beat Wofford by 50 points next week. So that's what you're supposed yeah. to do. I hope we do it. Well, just looking at the stats, as far as the offensive stats, Jakovic had 15 completions out of 28 attempts for 135 yards total. Most of that 135 yards went basically nowhere. The only one that they really had was the 49-yarder to Zay Flowers. And I spotted that when I got the picture of the launch. I was standing next to, I can't remember who it was, it was one of the players, one of the former players. And both of us were standing there behind the play and saw Flowers split out to the left. And I went, oh, no. And he goes, do you see it, too? I said, well, yeah, I was looking through the camera. And there's Flowers split out to the left. And Dracovic saw it, and, the, and Flowers wasn't covered. Somebody missed something. I think it was one of the rare misses in the defense. And somebody missed something, and Flowers just took off. I mean, it was just, it was basically a fly route. One, Flowers just took off and hit a you know, 49-yard reception. What are you going to do? One issue we had last week that we discussed was our secondary played a good game, but the only issue that we had with the secondary was on, on more than those big plays in the fourth quarter down the field. They weren't looking for the football. They would they would have coverage, and then they, they got lost by not looking for the football. You either get a pass interference or you get beat. And on that touchdown pass there to Williams, I think it was, the same thing happened. We didn't get our head turned around, and it was a too easy for him. But not gonna gonna fuss about that too much because our secondary is pretty good, and it locked uh, BC down. So, but there there are things you take from it, and I'm sure the coaches will find plenty of things to find issues with. But what did you think of the offense as a whole, John? Okay, I ranged from boring to very disappointed, and boring is probably the best I'm going to get out of it because. There were spots where I was not disappointed where Bowen actually reacted. Like like right after the Flowers touchdown, 
Bowen turned around and said, oh, my God, I can't do this. We got to score. And he actually put together a drive, plays in a drive, executed quickly and efficiently, and got the ball down the field and got the ball in the end zone. What was happening, though, is he – now, I don't know what the mental play was. I do know that I got a call from Joshua, you know, texted me on four. He said, said Pry is hot on his interview at the halftime. He said, Pry is hot. He's ticked at the offense, I can tell. And I guess Bowen kind of stood up in front of the cameras and kind of took responsibility for that. I think he called way conservative, too conservative a game in a lot of respects. I love Jalen Holston. I think he's a wonderful young man. He puts so much effort into his work, but he's not a lead back. I mean, he's still the kind of the fullback of the offense. He just is not a feature back. That's Malachi Thomas, maybe Chance Black in the future. And of course, Keyshawn King got dinged up. I mean, he was doing pretty well, but he got dinged up there and... So kind of Holston ended up being the feature back by accident. And Jalen, for all his work, is not a feature back. He's that one guy in a, in a little spray of rubber dust or, you know, dirt or that splash in the mud after getting, gaining one or two yards. So, and which got us a touchdown. I got a picture of it. But that's still one of those things that kind of disappointed me. Bowen kind of was holding back. And I don't think that the offense needs that. Go ahead, your comment. After what we dealt with for six years, and we, we got the change we wanted, but so I don't want to be too critical of Tyler Bowen because I don't I don't think it's time to be critical of him. But one thing that we got to stop doing is we're too predictable at times. We're running on first, or we're running on second, and it's not creative. It's right up the middle, and then you get one yard, you lose two, so you're facing third and eleven. How many times through two weeks have we been facing third and nine, third and 12, third and 11, third and 10? I mean, we need to do better on first and second down, whether it's to get that short passing game going, get something to pick up positive yardage on first down. Because, I mean, like you, you were just saying about Holston, I mean, I'm a Holston fan too, but 20 carries, 48 yards, I believe, were the final numbers. That's not really good. But he was getting the tough yards. He's a hard worker. He's a good example, good leader. But you still need more production from that position. And I hope Malachi Thomas is back. I'd say we, we give him, I don't know how close he is, but I say you don't play him next week regardless and have him ready for the next game if he's close. And hopefully we can get that, that running game cranking. We, we know Keyshawn King can do it, but he had that one long run, but he had three negative runs outside of that. But he only had four carries. But I think we're all excited about seeing Keyshawn King more involved in the offense moving forward. But hopefully Thomas and King can kind of rotate there a little bit with a little bit of Chance Black because Chance Black had one run yesterday where it was such a nice cut, and you could just see his speed and explosiveness. Definitely think we got to do something to get him involved in the game plan a little more. Yeah, Black netted 11 yards. The problem was is that so many of the handoffs, the highest percentage of handoffs, the highest percentage of things were in slow-developing, not well-blocked plays where the momentum of the play that would develop was right into a pile of humanity between the tackles. It just bouncing the ball out somehow or another, whether it was a count or whatever, if you look at the play that broke for 66 yards and put Keyshawn King in in the end zone, that was a counter play. That was a counter tray. It's kind of weird to see a counter tray from the shotgun, but it was a counter tray, and he countered out, and it came back through 
And unfortunately, the only thing I saw, because I couldn't take a picture of it, because I was walking from the north end zone to the south end zone, where we set up cameras because we were starting to move the ball, or we were actually, we got the ball a little bit farther down the field where it's a better camera position to be toward the north end zone or south end zone at that point. And he caught me in transition and he runs a lot faster than I do. So I saw the helmet go past the bench and I was like, oh, dang it. Missed that one. Everybody else did too. I mean, half the cameramen were moving down the line and we were like, uh. But the offense, I think it needs a lot of confidence. I think they still don't completely trust Wells. I think Wells is still going to have to keep proving himself for a little while. Saturday's game probably helped Tyler Bowen and Pry have a little bit more confidence in, in Wells. Wells made zero mistakes. That was a really important thing. The throws he made, which were not huge, were smart. The decisions were smart. He got outside the tackles. He threw the ball away. A couple of times he had to eat it, and he ate it, or he eked out a couple of yards or got the ball back to the line of scrimmage. A couple of times he ran. I mean, it turned out he can run. People didn't think that, but he can actually run the ball. We saw that in the spring game when when he was taking off running. You knew that you knew you had something there with his legs. He could move it. Oh, and the one nice, pleasant surprise, and it looks like we're going to see a lot of him, is Connor Blumbrook. That's a guy I wanted to talk about him because well, we definitely yeah. need to talk about him. I know last week when I did the takeaways column, I discussed how you know where's where's Blumrick at? I think he ended up having 16 snaps last week, which a few of them were there on the last drive when when the game was over. We were going for that hail mary, and he still made an incredible catch on the sideline. It, it was out of bounds. It was a great catch, but we heard about how he was one of the best players on the team. Why, why wasn't he featured more last week? Well. They corrected that this week. He was featured more. He caught five passes for 46 yards. The dude looks like a natural receiver. He runs pretty decent routes. He catches with his hands. He's fast. He's a mismatch for corners, for, for safeties. I mean, this guy, who would have ever thought when we, we took the commitment from him when he transferred over from A&M that he was going to be a stud receiver, and we have to do whatever we can to get the ball in his hands every week. Yeah, I agree. You know, the unfortunate mess up, he kind of got his blood up last week and, you know, messed up a little bit and apologized. And I guess everybody understood. And supposedly the fans down in ODU in that section of the stands were being pretty nasty and chippy too and saying some pretty nasty things to the players getting as they were trying to get off the field. And I guess Blummer took a little bit more umbrage to it than he should have. So I think that was kind of sad because Blumrick doesn't strike me as that kind of kid. I think he's just been hit after that pass catch. And what happened was unfortunate. And thankfully, it was all, you know, shake hands and make nice and move on with the situation because he sure put in a great game yesterday. He was he was kind of the spark that got a couple of that, especially that critical drive that put us back up two touchdowns. He was really that- important part of that drive. I wanted to touch on on Wells on that drive because we were we were only up seventeen ten. I think the entire stadium was probably thinking, "Oh no, here we go again." Once it was seventeen ten, and Wells, he was just that's when you know a lot about a quarterback because he was he was more aggressive on that drive than he was throughout the game. And I'm sure that was Bowen being more aggressive. But in that pass to, to Caleb Smith, the big thing was thirty nine yards, forty three yards. I can't remember exactly, but it was a rope. And those two have great chemistry together. So. I was really impressed by by Wells on that drive. Yeah, not only was it a rope, but Smith gathered it in one-handed. Smith sucked that ball in with one hand. 
it was still amazing. I mean, everybody says I'm moving down the sideline trying to reposition. And all the fans are like, I can't believe it. He caught that with one hand. And it was perfectly put where he could catch it with one hand. Yeah, it was on a rope. So, so a little bit more of that, I think people will start to believe again. And maybe we'll make that turn. And maybe, maybe Jay's prediction of uh, West Virginia won't come true. Hopefully, we'll see. Not to bring light to to Jay's prediction because it's still we are still two weeks away and he still could be right. But did you notice that West Virginia lost to Kansas? Yeah, it's like Notre Dame lost. Yeah, before we wrap up the show because we're so happy about Tech, insanity happened in college football on Saturday. I don't think too many people are going to figure out all of what went wrong. But Notre Dame is now zero and two. Who would have thought Notre Dame would ever be Marshall. 0-2? Marshall. They lost to Marshall. The Sun Belt is turning into an actual FBS power conference. They're actually playing really good football. It's been called the Fun Belt for a long time, and and yesterday we we saw why. Yeah, no kidding. Don't forget, Appalachian State went down to college station biggest upset texas a&m because and the funny thing about that is is texas a&m was kind of out in front of the whole nil thing so how many millions did it they pay to lose to appalachian state so i'm not making fun of appalachian state because appalachian state is a heck of a program they were in the fcs for years and they moved up they're a great program i mean they should have beat north carolina last week but anyway yeah where did some of our key coaches come from appalachian state so or appalachian state for those people in the south i guess the mason dixon line changes the pronunciation of appalachia too so hey that kind of wraps the show you know we're all excited it was a good game because number one it was a w and you know what? No matter what happens, you don't question too much. You take that W and you walk away, don't you, Brian? Yep. I'm going to forget a lot of things because we got the win yesterday. So let's go out and get another one next week and one at a time. 1-0 in the ACC, but 1-0 each week because that's the kind of team that this is and that's the kind of season that this is going to be. So next time we get together, we will be for a regular podcast and maybe I can talk Josh into coming depends on whether jay's going to be on or not but we'll see and what do we wrap up all of our podcasts with brian go Hokies. go Hokies. 